Hello and welcome. You're listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast that explores the idea of imposter syndrome. Before we begin with our guest, I kind of wanted to give a little background on what brought me to decide to do a podcast. Um, Basically, I've been listening to podcasts for quite a while, and I've always wondered if there was a podcast out there that kind of could explain or give me a blueprint on how to be successful. Um, I know there's tons of them, but one that really would speak to me because I'm constantly wondering, when is the shoe going to drop? When are they going to find out I'm not qualified to be here? And what's going to happen when that happens? So this podcast came to fruition amidst COVID and the quarantine and all of that, but also I got laid off y'all. So I'm going to explore what's creative to me and what's exciting to me and interview my friends. And if you like it, feel free to subscribe. My guest today is going to be Christina Ayers, a tattoo artist based out of Ocean Beach at Last Day's Tattoo Parlor. So let's just jump into it. Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Um, So I don't know what I'm doing, so I imagine (laughs) I'll have to edit quite a bit of this. No worries. Uh, But you're the first guest, so yay. (laughs) Hi. That's awesome stoked. Okay, so we'll kind of start from the beginning here. Let me pull up my notes. Cool. So I've got them. So um, go ahead and uh, give me, I guess I'll intro you. So I'm talking with Christina Ayers. She is a tattoo artist out of a shop in Ocean Beach and also a fine artist, correct? Yes. Yeah, I uh, went to college as an illustrator, actually. So which is rad. I really wanted to go to that college that you went to. Only <laughs> minorly really jealous. Used to be. It used to be a cool school. Um, I think shortly after I left, they actually got bought out by one of those like mostly online colleges. So I don't know how, but they decided to try to transfer art classes to online classes. And that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, kind of like where we're at in the world, I guess everything's online now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, for, like, life painting and stuff like that, for painting mm-hmm. classes, like, you really need to have someone, like, there kind of more on hand to actually show you what you're doing. And, like, I mean, you can't really do a live drawing of a model if you're looking at a picture or video of them, you know? You have to be able oh. to actually- Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I will just kind of start with how I, you came into my life, how we cross paths. Yeah. So my husband is a bit of a tattoo fanatic, has a lot of them, loves, like his biggest hobby is he loves to go into tattoo shops and look at books and talk to the artists. (laughs) One such time was actually very serendipitous. We had just gotten sushi across the street in Ocean Beach, which we've never been back there. It was not very good. (laughs) And, uh, And we had terrible service. And so we were kind of fuming on that. And there happened to be a liquor store next to your tattoo shop. So we were buying a bottle of wine or beer or whatever. And he stopped in. We met you. You happened to be the only one working that night. And he flipped through your book. And it just happened that you specialize in a number of different types of styles. But your favorite happens to be watercolor. And his sleeve that he needs to finish is watercolor. So it, we kind of went from there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool, actually, meeting you guys that night. I was probably like maybe a little bit halfway through board at that point if I was by myself because you know it gets kind of lonely sitting there alone. Yes so um and then kind of my backstory with Christina is that I have six tattoos from her and she fixed my one that I got removed re-inked it looked terrible and then she fixed it so it now matches my husband's so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and four of the, uh, four of them are brand new. Um, because of COVID, my friend didn't want to fly out to get our best friend tattoo, so I was like, "Here's four ideas I have." Um, so, to anyone listening, yes, I have tattoos. <laughs> and sorry, mom. Oh, <laughs> it'll be okay. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Um, so, how long have you been working? You work at Last Days in Ocean Beach. How long have you been working there? 
kind of what's your uh, tattoo history? So I have been at the shop for seven years now, which mm -hmm. is pretty much my whole career with the exception of like guest spotting in Monterey Bay and Boston. Um, and let's see, I did my apprenticeship there. Like I, when I graduated college in Colorado, I came back home to San Diego because this is where I'm from and like bartended and worked weird jobs for a while and finally just like got up the nerve to walk in and I pretty much like brought a portfolio of drawings and paintings and sat down with one of the artists I said hey like I'm looking for an apprenticeship would you mind looking at my book and just like if I suck please tell me that I should go find a different job <laughs> um, and he looked through it and grabbed the owner and I started the next day which was February seven years ago so yeah it's been a little wow. over seven years since I've been there that's um, so cool <laughs> yeah so I did an apprenticeship for just shy of two years in which you know the first year I wasn't tattooing at all I was pretty much just there every day cleaning and learning and practicing drawing styles and stuff like that um and then eventually one of the artists there well one of the artists and one of the owners um he gave me a lemon and set me up to tattoo and maybe just keep at it until like I actually didn't do a terrible job and when I asked when I could do it again they said all right cool like set up some appointments with some grapefruits and when they cancel on you four times you can or you can try again so <laughs> I mean just as kind of like you know a joking lesson about how business I guess works in this industry so but yeah I've been there ever since um and at this point I kind of unofficially manage the shop for the owner and I handle a lot of like our internet and like client relations stuff as well. So yeah, you're awesome. I mean, all the artists at last days are, are really rad. Um, oh, it's God, a really fun them. experience. Like, like my husband and I, like if he's working on a sleeve, um, we'll go and we'll like make a day of it. Like we'll get either tacos from the shop next door, which it's a liquor store slash convenience store slash also <laughs> bomb tacos. And then yes. if not, if we're feeling like fish tacos, we'll go down to Mike's and get the trifecta. Oh um, yeah. Which is Mike's has so great good. I still haven't been to Ocean Beach or OB Noodle House yet. And I just saw it on Triple D and I was like, what am I doing in life? <laughs> I'm not a big fan, honestly. I mean, their food is good, oh. but there's a much better pho spot. Like as far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. the best pho in San Diego is actually over at, um, God, I cannot remember the name of this place, but it's like this weird pink house right next to the Michaels on Midway. Oh, okay. Like, but it's like, it's super good. It's super authentic. Like OB Noodle House is really good and they're a really fun time. And like, I like 1502, which is their other spot because, mm -hmm. you know, they have a full bar so you can get cocktails and everything like that. And it's like a really cool setup to go hang out with friends. But like, you know, when I want something really, really authentic, um, then I'll go to that other spot on Midway. So I definitely trust that. That's like the one thing you and I bonded over um, oh, was just absolutely. our love of food. And that kind of like segues <laughs> into like so many other points that this is going to jump into. Okay. Um, but you kind of, you were one of like the first pretty dope. And I mean, I, I say this like, obviously like client to like, we're not, I'm not just your client. We're actually friends. Like, yeah, exactly. um, you're like family to us. Um, Aww. and, and like we send business your way, like there's no tomorrow. Um, I think that at least like a couple of people Scott works with have a tattoo from you. Yeah, now. I know. Um, <laughs> I know at least one or two of them off the top of my head. Yeah. So, so, so it's definitely like, I'm a, I'm, I, you're amazing. And, and I, will never stop singing your praises and I won't let anyone else <laughs> permanently damage my skin. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so I've been in San Diego, this week will be a year. So we met probably, I want to say like a week or two after we'd moved here, maybe, maybe a month. Oh yeah. Wow. Diego. Yeah. That is really close to that. Because I think like May was when I got the bicep piece. I want to say so. Yeah. I'd have to like, yeah. I mean, I could go back through my like Instagram and figure out exactly right. when, but. So, I mean, I guess kind of in the tattoo industry, it's like, I don't really know the dynamics of it, but I, it, I would say it's probably heavily dominated by males, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that is kind of shifting a lot more in the mm -hmm. last few years, you know, first yeah. with like Kat Von D becoming like massively popular and stuff. And then you have people like Megan Massacre and Kelly Doty and um, 
with Ink Master and everything, you know, you're starting to see more of a prevalence of female artists coming up in the industry. Um, like one of my favorites ever is Teresa Sharp. She owns a studio called Unkindness in Virginia. And I love her work. And those are, you know, kind of some of the first people that I really um, like looked up to as an artist, uh, as far as like this style goes, was when I found out about them. And actually one of the first mentors that I had happened to be female or a female artist. And I met her when she was doing her apprenticeship probably about 15 years ago. So that's awesome. I really, yeah. I, I think I'm seeing a trend of more females, but especially in your shop, you're the only female. Uh, currently. Yeah. We've had other yeah. girls that worked there before. We actually, at one point it was really cool. We had like nearly an all female shop at one point where there is me uh, we had a girl working at the counter because we it was a really busy summer and we had like two other female artists and uh, there was another woman who like booth rented from us, I think towards the tail end of that period. So we had like a pretty good crowd of like chicks at the shop for a minute, which was really cool. But typically speaking, I'm probably the only girl who works there regularly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have like the book to prove it. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I kind of told you about this podcast and I, I mind you, I was doing this while she was inking me. Um, <laughs> I kind of explained it and, and you were definitely interested. So it's really an honor to have you as a guest. So we'll kind of just jump into the topic at hand, which is yeah. imposter syndrome. Um, and that's kind of like why I, I mentioned the female thing and, and then like, you know, being an artist, like there's so much self doubt kind of walk me through kind of, do you suffer from imposter syndrome? Do you, like, in what way do you identify with it? And then what does it mean to you? So, um, I mean, I guess, like, to start with that, you know, like, definitely, like, always been kind of a loser kid growing up. Like, you don't really, like, get into this job being, like, a normal self-adjusted person and stuff like that. You know, I know very few tattoo artists who are, like, you know, they grew up and were like popular jocks or something like that. It's just very rare. And I mean, even in like the art community in general, like, you know, I only knew a couple of people in college who were the very well-adjusted kid growing up and through high school and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then also as a tattoo artist specifically, you know, what you were saying about it being a very male-driven industry, like it absolutely is. When I first started out, um, I actually, someone had told me while I was apprenticing, you know, like 20 years ago, you know, you couldn't have this job because you're a girl. And I've had to deal with like a lot of flack in the neighborhood from, you know, some of the like, I guess, like bigger jerks who work in the tattoo shops down there because I'm a woman. But mostly that's been actually like fairly rare, which is like really good in a lot of ways. It makes me feel really good about it. But yeah. um, as far as like imposter syndrome goes, definitely like I know every time I like apply at a new shop in a new city for a guest spot and stuff, there's this fear of like, you know, they're just basically going to tell me, you know, you're not good enough to work here. And, you know, if I, if something were to happen at my work and I was to have to like move, you know, it's always that fear of like, you know, is my portfolio good enough? Am I actually good enough at what I do? Like, you know, am I deluding myself? And, um, you know, what if everyone rejects my portfolio out of hand and, you know, cause I don't, I don't have a great deal of experience in this industry. I do feel like, you know, you know, I feel like I do good work and everything like that, but I also feel like there's always so much to learn. Um, and there's always, there's always going to be someone who's like got it down better than you. Um, so like, I definitely, definitely feel like I do have some of the imposter syndrome. Um, like to me, I think imposter syndrome has like a basic combined fear of rejection and of being a fraud like you know maybe I don't actually belong here and somebody's gonna find out and then I'm gonna lose this thing that I have that I really love but um you know I feel like a lot of that is also very much based in like self-confidence and self-doubt and you know the only way to really conquer that is just I guess to play at self-confidence until you really have it I think that's awesome. So, sorry, my husband's phone is going insane. I don't know if the, if the, the dings are picking up, but oh if so, that that is his pixel going crazy. Um, okay. And he's quietly trying to paint the cabinets around me. 
<laughs> and he just coughed. So, but I, yeah, I mean, uh, to I go back, I can't hear any of that on my. Oh, that's good. Voice. Well, I have the yeah. microphone, and I think it only picks up just like what I have. But um, oh, that's good. <laughs> so to go with what you were saying, I was equally the loser kid in high school. Um, I was the newspaper editor. Okay, like one of I think I think we all got to be newspaper editor because we were all like in it for a while. Yeah. Um, but I was a newspaper editor. I was super into art. Like originally, I wanted to be in. I like I wanted to go to RimCAD because I wanted to be in an artist. Like I wanted to be a graphic artist, and I knew that the only way to do what I loved doing, which I would just sit on Paint Shop all day. I didn't even have Photoshop because my parents' computer was that shitty. <laughs> but they did buy me Paint Shop Pro and I was the master of it. Like I loved doing <laughs> stuff. I could cut things out. I used a damn computer mouse. They got me a Wacom tablet for Christmas and like a, a Mac and I went to college and I would draw and I would color and I was really good. And I had a deviant art and I mean, but even so, like I can't totally draw for shit, dude. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's really like, I, you know what I always tell like kids who ask about that, like we get a lot of kids that come through the shop. Like we try to be a pretty family friendly environment, at least as far as we can as a tattoo shop, you know, obviously you can't bring your baby with you while you're getting a tattoo and stuff, but <laughs> oh, dang. you know, like, you know, you can, you can have like the kid there as long as there's someone there to watch them or if they're mm -hmm. older, they can like chill on the couch and stuff. But, um, you know, what a lot of like, we've had a lot of kids that are like, you know, the children of like our friends and our clients that come through. And so we'll set them up sometimes to like do some drawing. Um, and they're always like, oh, you know, we want to be like you, you know, how do you draw so good? And, you know, what I always tell people is like the difference between an artist now and an artist as a kid is that the artist who's an artist as an adult, like they just didn't ever stop drawing because everyone exactly. draws when they're a kid. So it's really, ultimately, it's a matter of practice. You know, if you work yeah, like hard enough at anything, you will eventually be very good at it. Oh, I totally agree with that. For me, like I went like an art art school. So I did one semester at the University of Northern Colorado in art school. I had the just absolute nightmare of a professor. His name was oh, Siga no. Hartgers, and he was this Dutch man that <laughs> would give all of the pretty girls that were not frumpy like me an A because they wouldn't try. And I tried so hard. I had to like have help from my parents to help complete projects. I mean, I, this man kept like, I lost probably my anxiety developed at that point. Like, because oh my God. I would, I would try and try so hard and I was so great in high school. And then like, I got to college and it wasn't good enough. I had to fight tooth and nail for a B plus. And then when I switched, I switched uh, majors because I was like, I, I can't survive if, if I can't do well in the thing that I thought I loved. And that's actually how I got into journalism. I was a radio DJ and I wanted to do broadcast. That's oh, originally awesome. what I wanted to do. I was like, <laughs> I don't have the face for it, but I have the voice for it. <laughs> so you do have like a really good professional voice. I gotta say. Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I was a radio DJ throughout college. Um, and and I don't regret it, but I definitely have a lot of envy for people that stuck on that path and continued to make art part of their daily life. But I would also say on the other hand, I also have an extreme appreciation for art. Um, I mean, definitely like tattoo artists or I, I wasn't as interested in tattoo artists um, until I met my husband because I would only ever see people's shitty tattoos, you know? Yeah, and there's a lot of those he has, there. Yeah, and he has a lot of really cool ones. I guess kind of while I'm here, what is the worst tattoo you've ever seen? Um recently. Recently? Oh my gosh. Um like I mean, as far as seeing in person goes, there's been like a plethora of real bad ones. Um just like you know, people who followed kind of a trend, but they wanted to be cheap about it. And so they got like, you know, a dream catcher, but it's tiny and like, it's just really shoddily done. So it's all kind of like blown out and like melting together over time and stuff. That's been a popular experience that I've seen, or like, I've seen a lot of like, you know, getting your significant other's name, but like getting it really crappily somewhere, like on your neck and stuff like that. <laughs> Comic Sans. Yeah, and they, you know, there's like a curse with that too. Like the, the tattoo curse we always say is like getting your significant other's name tattooed on you because like, once you do that, like you're bound to break up. <laughs> and like I've seen it That's happen. That's funny. So, yeah, well, like that happened to my brother, my older brother, and his 
now ex-wife, um, he got her name tattooed on him. And then like three or four months later, uh, they got divorced. <laughs> so oh, I wonder like, if there's like psychology behind that. There's got to be something. Or maybe it's like, I don't know how much of it is like, you know, an actual curse kind of a thing. Probably not. But like how much of it is also people like seeing these kind of problems in their relationship and hoping that like, you know, showing their devotion by getting this lifelong right. thing with their, you know, person's name on it is going to band-aid it, but it doesn't, you know, band-aid doesn't fix things. So, um, <laughs> Absolutely. Do you feel like in, as, as a tattoo artist, you kind of play a little bit of like a psychologist role? Um, obviously like not professionally or anything like that, but you hear a lot of life stories, you hear people's problems, their worries, their woes. Do you have to like have kind of like bedside manner? Like has, was that hard or difficult to pick up on or Uh, what's your take? Well, so before I was a tattoo artist, I was also a bartender, which is the other nickname is poor man's psychologist. So, um, (laughs) so like, I'm already like pretty used to that. Um, but it's definitely a thing in this industry. And like, um, you know, I work with a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to work on working with people more that have like scars that they're trying to cover up and whatnot. Um, because that's how I got into getting tattooed in the first place. And like, you know, so you hear a little bit of those kinds of things and, you know, I just kind of like try to do my best to like, as well as like physically helping them with like covering this stuff. Also like kind of give them a little bit of emotional support on it and like that little bit of a boost. But on the flip side of that, I've also had people who like straight up sit in my chair to get their tattoo and they go, well, I'm here with you for a couple hours. I'm going to tell you everything horrible that just happened to me. Like, and like suddenly I'm stuck for like, you know, the next two hours trying to like politely listen to, you know, someone telling me about like all the fights they've been having with their boyfriend who I just tattooed like yesterday or like, (laughs) you know, some like crazy fucked up situations. And I'm just, it's, it can get like, a little hairy for sure, a little frustrating because I'm trying to do a good job and I'm trying to be very nice to you. But some of the stuff is very, very personal. And I don't know if I'm the right person to talk to about that. But yeah, we definitely, we definitely have that little bit of a role as like a psychologist and mostly it's pretty okay, but sometimes it can be a little challenging. Yeah, I definitely, cause I know that you're like kind of an extroverted introvert. So yes. <laughs> I, I, I assume, I assume that like in that situation, that is very hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah most I mean I, I was talking to my husband last night and I was like I'm really loving all this time at home like I kind of miss people but not that much he's like well I mean like you're good at talking to people you do it all day I'm like but I do it all day at work and then I get off work and I'm like I don't want to spend all my time like do the exact same thing like so yeah like like hearing the depths of some people's woes can be very difficult because of that um but like at the same time, like I do love talking to people and love meeting people and, you know, getting into some of these deeper conversations that we get to. So, yeah. So let's switch gears here kind of as we're working through this. Um, so we're both loser kids. We got it. <laughs> um, I was, I, I have one friend from high school that I still talk to and that is it. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm about the same way as far as that goes, like maybe two. I, I went to my, well, I I mean, I have a, like, we all like, because of social media, we all keep in touch. It's not like we don't like, what was the point of going to a reunion? I I'm friends with you all on Facebook anyway. Like I see your, <laughs> yeah, we I, all see know your what's happening. I see your kids. I see this, I see that. But in terms of like close friends, like I, and we're not as close as we used to be. And a lot of it, I mean, she has a kid and she lives in North Carolina. She went to a different college. She went out of state. So we kind of grew apart. Um, but at the same time, like I know more about her life than like other people I went to high school with, if that makes sense. But, um, so yeah, so we, we bond over that. That makes sense. That's actually probably why we click so much is that we both kind of had similar high school experiences. Um, (laughs) and, um, I guess kind of, you know, where, like, where, where do you feel like you're, you are in your success? Like, do you feel successful? What does success look like to you? Um, so I'd say as far as that goes, uh, I'd say like, I think success is kind of an unattainable goal for the way I feel about it. Um, like when you get to like total success, I don't need to do anything anymore. Um, to me, like right now it looks like having, you know, a clean house and my child actually like being watched and, 
having a good and steady clientele and everything like that. So I'd say that like, you know, I typically have about a third of that because my house is definitely like a disaster. And um, my child is frequently a mess from going and playing. But, you know, I definitely know that I have like a lot of the successful things as far as my career goes. Like I do have a steady place of employment. Um, you know, eventually it will be my shop as well, which is great. Um, and like, I have a great clientele, like everyone that I work with has, is just wonderful. Like I love my clients. So it's really nice to like have that part of the success down. Yeah, absolutely. And we mean like, I, I, I know for my, like for, why did I say my husband for Scott and I, like we, we, you know, we genuinely love what you do. And like for us, like he, he used to be a person that would go tattoo artist to tattoo artist. And when we started dating, I set down a rule. I said, no more traveling for tattoos. We did it once. He got a really cool <laughs> thigh piece that I always forget is there because I just never see it. He's always wearing yeah. pants. Um, but I mean, it, I was like, we're not traveling for tattoos anymore. You're going to find someone in your own backyard. So he went to the original tattoo artist that I had that did the pizza slice originally. And he ended up getting two tattoos from him. And then he didn't get any more tattoos. And so he was wanting to finish the sleeve out, but he abandoned the artist that was start that started the sleeve. And I think like with your help, it'll end up making sense. Um, but he's a lot happier now with his sleeve than he ever has been. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've gotten to do some just really gorgeous work on it. And you know, the unfinished piece is, I mean, it's a beautiful start. It just needs to be finished for sure. But, um, the one that he got from Ivanka, oh my God, when he came in with that, it kind of like blew my mind that I was going to have work next to hers in that way and like kind of connected to hers because she is like kind of a premier artist in that industry like yeah. especially in that style so and I think that she, Scott's even showed Ivanka some of the stuff that you've done maybe really or no oh he has said he hasn't he said that he's sitting right here he said he hasn't talked to her oh okay <laughs> but here's another fun fact most of Scott's tattoos are done by women oh that's awesome yeah that's, the, no, that's, and it's really cool, actually. That's kind of rare. Yeah. Six of his tattoos. How many tattoos do you have, Scott? Nine. Nine. Yeah. No, you, like I think you have more than that. We we'll count later and figure it out. We're not. I'm not good at podcasting with him right there, but I'll try. <laughs> but he like loves you so much. He wants to like interject. <laughs> it's okay. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she says hi. Um, okay. So moving forward, success. I think like those are all really great things that you said. And I think like the biggest one is like, you have this book of business. So yes, like COVID has caused you guys to shut down due to public safety, but at the same time, like you'll come back, people are going to still want tattoos. In fact, during coronavirus, I think people are probably planning out like full body sleeves and whatever which, you know yeah which is great <laughs> and they're more than welcome to come say hi to me um, absolutely like, I definitely like I had three like bigger appointments that I actually had to push back and reschedule because of uh because of coronavirus basically so you know it's cool because it actually just gives us a little bit of time to like really refine their ideas and like you know, make them that perfect. So we have some time to like really work on them. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Trying to utilize some of this free time that I've got from this and, you know, just do my best for the clients that I have and, you know, set up any like potential future work. So. That's great. So let's move on to like more fun stuff. That's not like work related and talk <laughs> about, you know, things that you're fanatical about and why. So my example is that I'm obsessed with Guy Fieri, like Guy Fieri, like I'm just obsessed with him. I think he's hilarious. He's a meme of a, of a meme of a man. And the yeah. fact that I did not win his birthday contest is very upsetting to me, oh, but so I, mark my words, I will meet Guy Fieri. Um, well, you know what? He's a big fan of Hodad's down in Ocean Beach. And he used to be, when uh, the previous owner was still alive, he was great friends with him. So I know he's been spending a pretty decent amount of time there uh, with his, uh, the owner's son, Shane. So you oh. might actually be able to catch him at the Hodad's in Ocean Beach at some point. Well, that means I would actually if have I to hear eat about him being there, I will let you know. <laughs> oh, I will like, I will teleport. I'll, I'll invent teleportation. <laughs> I don't care. I, I won't fight for a parking spot. I will be right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay. So things that you love kind of, I can, I, I know from my experience, you love, fantasy. Oh yeah. Uh, that is, 
that is fantasy. It's literally what I wrote down. Um, fantasy and cooking are like my like number one and number two things to the point where like I'm obsessed with both of them enough that I like started a completely unupdated at this point because I've just been so busy between winter and then like springtime and then COVID. Um, you know, I have a fantasy cooking blog because I am that big of a nerd. <laughs> um, so like myths, fairy tales, it's all stuff that I grew up on. It was like a very big form of escape for me when I was growing up. You know, I was, like I said, I'm pretty introverted even as a kid. So I spent a lot of time reading and a lot of the books that we had at home were like mythologies and fantasies. So um, that's, that's awesome though. Cause I think like yeah. that kind of sparked your illustration abilities. It did in a lot of ways. Like that's been a good focus of like just the illustration work that I do on the side. Like aside yeah. from tattooing, I've done some book cover work and things like that. But a lot of my fine art is ultimately actually just illustration. It's oil paintings and like pinup girls and stuff like that. That's based on different fantasy stories that I really like. So, or like scenes from them or pieces of like poems from them. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I liked that about you because when I first met you, you told me like about the cooking blog and all of that. And then every photo you take of your food, I just, I'm like, dang, like I need like a permanent seat at that table. Like, <laughs> um, Not a very and... table. It's actually just like a chest in our living room, <laughs> but you know, we'll get a good, we'll get a good cool table when we move. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but I think like for me, like one of my passions is cooking. And I think it's really funny that, well, I love, I love, I'm a huge foodie. Like I, I love food. I love cooking it. I love eating it. I love going out to eat. I love trying new restaurants and stuff. But one of the unexpected things of COVID is that it's re reinvigorated my love of making stuff. Oh, and yeah. it's kind of funny because people are like, telling like people are like oh you cook like I had no idea and it's like yeah like Instagram's not reality man like I'm cooking like most days per week but what COVID has kind of done is it's changed the way that we, we we never have a stocked pantry we never have a stocked fridge we never have a stocked freezer but we have all of those things now so it's been kind of nice to like you utilize that like forgotten muscle, so to speak, and, and, and really enjoy it again, because it, I'm cooking now because I like it and I have to, but also I can try whatever I want because I have no time constraint. I'm not coming home from a job exhausted. And then what are we going to cook for dinner? What are we going to eat? So it's been not really nice. Um, although I do miss like the interaction of like restaurants. I miss that. I definitely do as well. Um, I mean, we spend a lot of time cooking at home. My husband has celiac, which is an autoimmune, um, yep. basically allergic reaction to gluten for people who don't know what it is. Um, so we, you know, there's very few restaurants we can go out to and eat at. Um, and so we try not to eat out too often as a result of that. Um, but we do, we, you know, we usually spend a lot of time out. There's bar restaurants that we go to where they know us and our daughter really well. And you know, it was a great time for her to like play and be social with, you know, other children and adults that hang out there. And it was a good time for us to actually get out and be social. And now I am mostly at home entirely. So like all the social interaction that I had has become uh, very limited to um, what I can do through the internet and through phone calls, essentially. It's really wild how it's changed everything, you know? Um, I, like, I hosted a happy hour last night, like, between, like, four friends from, like, random walks of the world. Like, I had, like, two people from San Diego and, like, one person from Denver, but that, they now live in Texas. And it's just, it's wild. That's the same way we're interacting. <laughs> but also, I'm glad about the connectivity because I feel like those that are taking this seriously are a lot kinder. Absolutely. And I also feel like people will be more generous when they tip now because like you have to be like these people lost their jobs. They, they can't work. They now have to be on unemployment. They have to make their make rent. They have to make payments. Like, and so I always, you know, I worked in service for a while and I, and I've done it and it, and it, I know that like, it sucks when you do everything and you get like a $2 tip. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, like definitely for the few times that I have gone out to like get stuff, 
or had something ordered in, like I've tried to tip really well. Like I also, like I said, I used to bartend. I used to work in service for quite a while. And so I know how much of a hit this is to the industry as a whole, especially, you know, especially in Southern California and San Diego, where, you know, we're such a big military town and everything got shut down the day before St. Patty's Day, which I mean, for all my friends who bartend and stuff, it's such a loss. It's the for biggest them. day of the year for them, probably. It is. It's definitely one of them. So I think one of the other things I've really noticed, though, with uh, people who are taking it more seriously in COVID and everything has been um, you see, you know, as much as you don't see people out and like about and doing stuff, you see people having a lot more real interactions with the world all of a sudden. You know, when you're going yeah. out for those like walks that you take every day and your exercise, um, you know, suddenly you're actually seeing people doing that instead of just walking to whatever the nearest bar is or sitting on their phone the whole time. They're trying to get outside. They're trying to go for walks and like, you know, they're very polite when you see them and they, you know, they do the best to keep the social or distancing going on. But, you know, people are just a lot more friendly and happy to be outside. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would agree with that. Although I've pretty much just been sitting in my house nonstop. You know, <laughs> one, one since getting laid off, but two, like, when Scott came back, my, so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know me personally, my husband is a Lieutenant in the Navy. So he's gone a lot. Um, and we're also speaking from San Diego, but I think that was covered when you said you're from San Diego. Yes. <laughs> I'm not good at this. Uh, okay. Please take pity on me. Anyone listening? <laughs> um, but I, I just think that it's, it's so interesting how we're so connected now and like, should I be concerned? I'm not, you know, immediately jumping into a job a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm also like, this is a cool opportunity for me to have these interactions with my friends and like get their life story and get it out there. Cause I think, I think it's important. I think that we should have stuff that kind of goes on this topic because like, I certainly, every job I get, I'm like, when are they going to find out that I shouldn't be here? Oh, it's today in the day. It's today in the day. They're going to tell me that I'm not qualified. And I know that's nuts. Cause I'm, I've got 10, like going on 10 years of advertising, marketing, PR, all of this experience, but yet I'm still, and I don't know if it's a woman thing. I don't know if it's a glass ceiling thing. I'm still always like, when are they going to tell me like, I don't belong. <laughs> well, I think you're pretty safe as far as that goes. I definitely follow a lot of your social media and like, you're a badass at it. So, um, you know. Thank you. Please tell all future yeah. employers that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll be a great reference. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so, okay. So we talked about things we love and then we got wildly off topic because that's just who we are. Um, yes. And <laughs> let's, okay. So let's talk about uh, unpopular opinions. Okay. So here's two of, a couple of mine. And I, and I read yours and they're really funny to me. <laughs> so I can't wait to speak about them. Um, so for me, cantaloupe is trash and I'm even going to take it a step further that all melon is trash but there's a, a line in Bojack Horseman where he's like he's like cantaloupe and honeydew he's like who brought like I hate when like cantaloupe gets invited to a party and he like brings his idiot cousin honeydew <laughs> he's like this is trash and they like they all throw it away and like that's a resounding theme in Bojack um, and I found it so funny um, but also I just I grew up eating it and my mom would put salt on it and it was just was not good Oh God, why would you, it's already bad. Why would you add salt to it? That doesn't seem like it'll make it any better. <laughs> then my other <laughs> unpopular opinion, which this is a polarizing unpopular opinion because people, I like pineapple on my pizza. I love pineapple on my pizza. So yeah. I don't consider this as an unpopular opinion as it's a heavily divided opinion. Cause like, I right. feel like 50% of people love it and 50% of people absolutely hate it and think it's like wrong. cilantro. <laughs> like some people can't eat cilantro. My husband is one of those people, and I, that makes me really sad. He's got that gene that tastes like soap to him. It's weird because sometimes it does taste a little soapy to me, but I still like eat it. I've never had that problem. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, it never tastes like soap to me. I like cilantro, so. <laughs> but I have to use it significantly more sparingly these days, which is funny because he can eat coriander, which is really just cilantro seeds. Yeah. So. Interesting. But, yeah. <laughs> So what is your unpopular opinion? Um, so I think we've established that I agree with you. Cantaloupe is absolutely trash, but I do like honeydew. Um, so my biggest unpopular opinion is that I don't like the Beatles. 
I understand what they did for music, but I think ultimately covers of Beatles songs are better than the original. Um, it just, it grates on my nerves a lot to hear them, especially they're like older, like poppy stuff. Like I want to hold your hand and all those songs. They're just kind of like really profoundly irritating yeah. to listen to. Okay. So I actually agree with you here and I apologize in advance to anyone who's a Beatles stan, <laughs> but, um, I dated a guy. Okay. So I've been married three years. I had a dating life before I met my husband. I've been on a million bad dates, but I spent a summer date. Like I scraped the bottom of the barrel and spent a summer dating the barista across the street from my work. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, he was obsessed with the Beatles and like, like un, un, unhealthily obsessed with the Beatles. Like no person should be this much of a Beatles fan. And That's how my ex he, was as well. And his dad, and, it was awful. And, and it was, and, and, and I was force fed the Beatles as a kid. Like we'd have to watch like hard days night and stuff. And I was just like, this sucks. Like, I don't like this music. So when I discovered like EDM in college, I was like, oh, thank God. Like I found something that like I can relate to or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I agree with you. I think the covers are better. I mean, the, the, the movie that they had that was all covers, like that was really cool. Across the universe. Yeah. That right. Was, it was a really good musical. They did a good job on it. And it's exactly. And, and I also, I also feel like, um, did you watch that more recent movie that was, that he like woke up and no one remembered the Beatles? No, I haven't seen that. That's really good. I, I'm really bad with names of movies and I'm, I could Google it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so, um, but I would suggest that it's actually really, really well done and really nice. good, but, it, I will but have it's to check interesting it out. that we all like have these songs ingrained. Like it's nuts to me. And I have this like idea that maybe like no one really likes the Beatles. We all just are told we're supposed to like the Beatles. Yeah. Because they did so much for music and everything, which they did. Like, they definitely popularized rock and roll and the idea of, like, mega bands and stuff like that. Just, they suck. And, like, at a certain point, they did so much psychedelics that their music was just nonsense. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Like, it's obvious. You're like, oh, that's when they, they switch from marijuana to, like, the hard stuff. No, yeah. Most definitely. And then they tried to get on the Hare Krishna train, which was by, by itself Hare Krishnas are irritating to me so like when you add that plus the Beatles I was like why is this happening? Could you imagine well, them being like we're Indian like, no. on my, my mom's side we're from Singapore and yeah. like her parents are from India and so like like listening to that Hare Krishna song I'm just like you're not actually saying anything at certain points here you're not this is not a language you're just making up sounds that's so funny oh my gosh ugh <laughs> well my friend my, my my friend from high school was in her wedding and here comes the sun is like her favorite song but even uh, so she had a cover of it yep. so that proves your point <laughs> it sounds better it just I mean like I've heard like ridiculous like new metal bands from like the early 2000s cover like while my guitar gently weeps and make it sound so much better than the Beatles did <laughs> and I'm like this band is like largely kind of trash but still it's better than the Beatles <laughs> so funny I agree. So I'm, I'm giving you that. I agree with it. And also like if anyone has an unpopular opinion, I'm usually like very much like, unless it's a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy opinion, theories drive me nuts. I cannot. Where I can like debunk it in two seconds because I just, whatever. I'm, I'm very like, I'm like, cool. You, you do you like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's, there's like levels of conspiracy theories in my opinion where there's like there's these like lower level ones, like the idea that Avril Lavigne, I, I found this one online, Avril Lavigne is dead and the current Avril Lavigne is actually a body double. Like, uh, interesting. Interesting. But, I mean, she I had mean, a Hello Kitty sure song and it was terrible. The majority of all that shit they're talking about. But um, yeah, so that like that level of conspiracy theories to me are funny. Like yeah. they're amusing. There's no way they're true. And even if they are true, like, who actually put the time and effort into like putting this whole package together. But then there's like the upper level conspiracy theories about like aliens and like the new world order. And I'm just like, this terrifies me and I cannot have this conversation with you. Not because I think it's scary, but because I'm worried about your mental health to that point. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you see like a lot of things come through your chair that you're just like, whoa, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, even with like people who have worked at the shop, Artists are already, like, a very special breed of weird. 
And then like tattoo artists are their own special breed of even weirder. So like most of the people that I've worked with over the last seven years have been like pretty even keeled and like cool people and, you know, gone on to do some really rad things or work at some really rad places. And then there's like the select like three or four people over the last seven years where I'm like, no, that guy was insane. Like he was crazy. (laughs) It's always the men, never the women. It's definitely not the women. The women, well, I mean, I've... (laughs) I haven't met some of them personally, but I've heard some interesting things. But typically speaking, the women folk are like way more sane. Well, we all have to like like look out for each other. Like that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. We we all have to like look out for one another because because we're in a patriarchal society. And I won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's true. So yeah, you can go far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you see it in a lot of different areas, and so we frequently like. Like, I know in our industry, as women, like, we have to kind of, like, band up, and we got to put on, like, a way more professional and, like, you know, smarter face than, like, yeah. any guy would have to. And not to say that we're better than them, but just to, like, we have to show our worth all the time. So oh, yeah. 100%. I think, like, a lot of that feeds into how I feel about imposter syndrome, because it's constantly, like, well, this is what I should be making, but I'll take this just because that's the only deal offered. So I guess. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, there's also that long, like long-term, like low-grade stress of like constantly having to maintain that high standard as well, which, I mean, I can imagine that ultimately like that's going to cause some frazzling and like a little bit of um, like cognitive dissonance almost. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> so we went down the fun, fun glass ceiling rabbit hole. Um, but I mean, that's kind of like, like in this kind of notion, we're going to keep going back there because it makes, it just goes back to that one thing constantly. It's like, you know, I'm not a man. <laughs> um, okay. And so Beatles, got it. What Cantaloupe. is currently yep. making you happy in the world? Well, originally I was going to say the thing about dolphins in the Venice canals, but that got debunked. It was a hoax. Um, oh, and great. And that makes me actually really sad because I was really stoked about that. Yeah, um, I, I was too. That sucks. I know. Yeah, I guess that picture of the dolphin in the canal is actually from Santiago. So, and it's like an oh. old picture. It's been circulating for a while. But, oh, and then I guess there was the elephants in the tea garden who like, I don't know, got drunk or something like that. That one was hilarious, but definitely not true. <laughs> so I guess as far as what's currently making me happy in the world right now is um, maybe seeing like that, like that uptick we were talking about in like kindness and politeness and respect that people have been having towards each other. Like obviously it's still not all the time, but mm-hmm. suddenly people aren't being as polarized about certain, like, you know, certain political beliefs and stuff like that. And they're actually all getting together to like actually try to take care of each other. Like I've joined a bunch of community pages on Facebook where I'm watching people, you know, be like, hey, you know, I'm off work for this period of time. You know, I have tested negative for COVID already. Um, If there's any like senior citizens in my area, if you need groceries, you don't want to leave your house, like I can bring you groceries or like, hey, I've got like an extra box of diapers that I don't need. You know, you can have them for free, like to any moms who need that. And I've seen a lot of that happening lately. And it's really like, it, it's it's very positive. It's a very positive change that I think that we really needed to see in the world was, you know, instead of watching everyone like fight constantly about, you know, oh, you believe that, you believe that. Um, it's nice to see people actually just putting that aside and being willing to help each other for a change. I agree. That's actually probably what's making me happiest right now. That and all of the continued phone calls and checking in and my friends and you know the response to this podcast even was like unanimously like everyone was like do it you have to oh yeah um so I feel like what I'm you know what, what's going on and what's happening in the world is is most is, as as negative as it truly is and how we're all going to come out on the other side we don't know what's going to happen it's also so positive to see that like we stopped kind of being islands of one and started being an island of many through social distancing, which is interesting. Yeah. I, oddly enough, social distancing has definitely like rebounded the sense of community that we seem to have been lacking in a lot of areas. And that's, once again, like I said, that's just a great positive influence that we needed. And what you were saying about your podcast as well, like I've noticed a lot of that happening. A lot of my friends who are currently out of work, like they're taking this time to really pursue creative endeavors. Um, I have a friend who's a bartender and he's putting together 
kind of like a video blog of like how to make various cocktails that he's coming up with. And I mean, they're all stuff that you can make at home with simple ingredients. Um, I've been asked to do like portrait drawing classes, which I have no idea how to do those online. And I feel like I have enough to do um, so that that's going to be on hold for quite a while if I do get around to it. But I've seen, like I said, just a lot of people like really putting this stuff together and like taking this time off from work to just go for it. And that's great as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I do like offline, I'll give you some ideas if you, um, want to stay creative with art. Um, cause I have a friend that did something really cool. Yeah. We're coming to the end of this, uh, beautiful mess of whatever this is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really hope this isn't bad and it, and it sounds good, but I have to say I'm so nervous. Um, do you have something that you would like to promote beyond just like your Instagram or where can people find to connect with you? Um, well, I mean, aside from my Instagram and whatnot, you know, I guess pretty much just at the moment, you know, um, we'll be hopefully opening the shop back up in the future. And so if you have any ideas and, you know, you live in San Diego or you plan on traveling here anytime soon, hopefully when, you know, we can all move about freely again you know, come see me and say hi. As much of an introvert as I am, that extroverted part of me is definitely like missing, you know, connection and conversation in the studio. And, you know, I'd love to help you out with uh, your next project. And also, as far as that goes, you know, I was saying about working with, uh, you know, people who have scar cover-ups. And so if there is something like that that you need to do, you know, let me know and we can definitely talk about it. There's some amount of discount and, um, you know, as long as I can use it kind of promotionally. That's great. No, I will definitely put that in the description, uh, with links so people can follow you and all of that jazz. But thank you so much for being my first guest. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I hope that you stay well and, you know, give everyone my love. Yeah, I will. I will. Everyone's, I guess, uh, my husband's going to be home Tuesday. So I'll tell him you guys said hi. We can have a video drink. Oh, thank so. goodness. I'm glad he's going to be home Tuesday. I know. Well, he was supposed to be home Friday and then it got pushed to Sunday and now it's pushed to Tuesday. So hopefully well, that's at least, at least it's, it's going to happen. Um, well, all right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks so much.